This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Luc-Olivier Dumeble. And I'm Yannick Magnan. And what's our topic for this week, Yannick? The Trois-Rivières Public Transit System. Ooh! But before you start, I think you have some follow-up. Yes, I do. Uh, first of all, we have some follow-up for episode 115 on branches versus feature flags. This is pretty coincidental timing. Uh, there is a popular blogger in the Apple development sphere called Sarush Kanlu, and he made a pretty concise blog post this week making the case why your in-progress work should be merged into your production branch more frequently. Um, which is kind of exactly what we were talking about during that episode. So you should definitely go read this. Uh, it makes a lot of the points that everybody else has been making about this, but in a much more concise package. And the more I read about it, the more convinced I become that it's probably the right answer uh, for what to do if you have existing CI and code review practices in your company. Like I mentioned on the last episode, we do not. So definitely go read up on that if you you need more arguments to make sure you're right on the internet because... That is our number one priority, isn't it? Next up, uh, follow-up for episode 77, where, amongst other things, we talked about the Switch a year after launch, which feels like an eternity ago, and speculated about different skews of Switches that could come out. Uh, so there were two of these this week. Uh, the first is the Switch Lite. The Switch Lite is a handheld-only version of the Nintendo Switch, uh, which means it's not really a Switch because you can't really switch it. But uh, there's that. Um People may remember, if you've been a long-time listener to the show, that I have zero confidence in any of Nintendo's online services. And, like, it's warranted because the Wii U's online services were a fucking joke, and so were all the other ones before that. Uh, and I expressed my excitement because everybody was saying, oh, finally I can buy another Switch and I can share my games across the thing. And I was like, no, 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 whoa, 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 wait a second. Why do you think Nintendo's going to let you share games across your account, especially digital games? Like, that's not going to work. Uh, and a friend let me know that if you wish to share digital games across multiple consoles, you need to be online each time you start a digital copy of a game, which sounds like a major pain in the ass for something that is a handheld and probably is going to be played offline. So, yeah, classic Nintendo. Mm, fun times, fun times. Uh, at least it's a restriction I didn't know, so I'll uh, make sure Tony's aware because he's looking at you maybe buying one in September, but uh, that's going to be suck. I'll also try to include a uh, link in the description for a video on how save sharing works, because apparently uh, Nintendo has put something in place for that. Uh, Gaijin Hunter, which is a Monster Hunter uh, YouTuber, has made a video on that. I haven't watched it yet, but if you need the information for it, it'll be in our description and you can go watch that. And then the second SKU that was announced is actually a light revision to the regular Switch with extended battery life because of a Tegra X1 die shrink. This is the Marico chip that has been in the firmware for the Switch for like a year and a half now. Uh, so finally that device is going to be coming out and there's not much else to be excited about. Uh, there have been rumors that like the, the trade war with China may have caused some issues for manufacturing. For now, they have not man uh, manifested themselves, so we'll see. But that is it for my fault. Good, so let's go into your topic. All right. So this episode, as you may have guessed if you follow me on Twitter, is motivated by lots of sweeping transit network changes here in Tualuya. Um, to my knowledge, these are the first set of changes to the network that aren't purely additive or timetable related in nature. Previous changes, they would add lines, they would shift the schedule around a bit, but they wouldn't really uh, remove service from large chunks of the city or rearrange or redesign lines entirely. 
These changes are quite significant, lines that have been around since the very beginning of the transit network. For example, the one, which is numbered the one because it was the first one, have been either reworked or, in the case of the one, eliminated. Uh, so major changes. These are not small changes. I could say a lot of things about how these changes were communicated ahead of time, but the fact of the matter is that could be an entire episode in itself, and I don't want to waste our time with that when I could be talking about the actual problems with the network itself. Let's just say that most people were not aware to what extent the changes were going to be. Uh, some people who were living in neighborhoods where service was eliminated were not notified that service was going to be eliminated. So somebody waited on a bus stop for two hours, not knowing that the bus was never going to show up. And that was on the news this week. Lots of great stuff like that. Uh, so there were a lot of screw ups leading up to the launch of the network, but I just want to fast forward to the launch of the network itself uh, and sort of let you in on what the goals were and how they kind of messed it up. So let's start off with the intended goals from the Transit Authority itself. Uh, this is quite interesting. Uh, about half of this was sort of obvious ahead of time because it wasn't part of their messaging. And another half of it I sort of found out after the fact by talking to uh, bus drivers and data collection people who were stationed at every terminal to get data on what was going wrong. They changed this uh, before the entire network was sort of indiscriminate, depending on where you were going. So everything was spaced more or less 15 minutes apart, and it was going to be like that all day long. Now they've sort of changed things so that a direction is prioritized depending on what time of day it is. So the first half of the day has bus times and transfers optimized towards getting people from the outskirts of town into the inner city. And then at 2 p.m., the network is flipped completely to get people efficiently from the inner city back to the edges of town. And they do this uh, in part due to shorter bus lines with less redundancies across bus lines. Uh, previously, the 2 line was a really, really long line that went all the way from like the corner of Cap La Madeleine to the corner of Les Forges. And it was really, really long. But at the same time, the entire four line was also contained within the two line for no reason. So you had this entirely huge redundancy that was just making the two line longer for historical reasons and not for practical reasons. And so they've tried to eliminate as many little redundancies like that across all of the bus lines that are available in town. Uh, they also wanted to expand service to previously inaccessible new developments. So uh, one of the things that came up quite a few years ago was when Trois-Rivières-sur-Saint-Laurent was developed. Uh, that's a waterfront residential area with high-end condos near downtown. That, until last week, was not accessible by bus at all. You could get very close to it and take a little walk to actually get in there, but you couldn't actually get there entirely by bus. Now there is a single bus stop there, which is not ideal, but it's better than nothing. Uh, there's also District 55, which is a high-end shopping district in the west of town, which is still actively being developed, but they are already planning a terminal there, and bus lines are already using it as if it was a completed terminal. It currently really isn't, but whatever like eventually it'll have its use but for now it's sort of like why are you taking me to this empty pit in the ground <laughs> it's kind of pointless so i want to state two things right up front at the start of this episode when everything works flawlessly i find that the bus network is far more effective now at getting across town in a shorter amount of time than it used to be a lot of the reactions that you heard in the week or two of following the uh, bus network changes are anchored in aversion to change and People are just rejecting the changes purely because things are different or because they lack the tools to explain what their core issues are with 
the actual changes. And there are lots of legitimate reasons to be displeased with the changes, and we will go through them during this episode. But in an ideal scenario, I can't really argue with the end result. It is actually better. However, uh, there were so many complaints from longtime network users that the Transit Authority has responded with adjustments. And uh, while the majority of this episode will talk about the network as it was at launch last week, we will also address the adjustments later in the episode. I also kind of feel that it wasn't really fair they didn't give enough time for drivers and users to warm up to the new network before making adjustments that completely fuck with what was already in the process of stabilizing, which made everything chaos again. The first major point I want to bring up with these network changes is the increased mental overhead of using the network. And to do this, we sort of don't have much of a choice but to give you a quick history of how the transit network has evolved over the last 13 years I've been using the network. 13 years ago, things were quite simple. Buses would go at a 30-minute interval on weekdays, and weeknights and weekends would be at a 60-minute interval. This is very simple to understand, very easy to reason about. There are two times to remember, the one that is always active, so the one that is at a 60-minute interval, and then the one that's only active during weekdays at a 30-minute interval. Like, I still remember that in my old home, my bus stop was at 25 minutes past the hour and at 55 minutes past the hour, and if it was a weekend, it was at 55 and not 25. So it was pretty simple to, like, memorize the details of your favorite stops that you went to a lot, And it was easy to keep track of. It was also concise enough to be put next to the bus number on every bus sign. So every bus sign had like its own little mini timetable right next to it. And all buses are at the bus terminal at the same time. And buses wait for all transfers to be completed before leaving. So it's a very simple and easy to reason model. It's very much what I was talking about earlier when I was saying everything is spaced 15 minutes apart. And it's very easy to think about things in 15 minute segments. And therefore, you don't really need an app as long as you sort of know what the segments are and you can piece them together in your head. It's a very simple, like, jigsaw puzzle system. Then about five years ago, drivers negotiated for 15-minute breaks to be added to their shifts, but these were implemented as 15-minute service interruptions across the entire network. So every 90 minutes or so, the entire bus network schedule shifts by 15 minutes as service is interrupted. And... A few bus lines were added to reach the outskirts of town. I'm thinking about uh, Saint-Louis-de-France. I'm thinking about Pointe-du-Lac and uh, Saint-Marc-du-Cap. But there wasn't enough usage, so they were at a reduced service interval. Uh, I don't know if if Saint-Louis-de-France is like this. I think the other two are. It was closer to every 90 minutes there was a bus that would come, but it wasn't as reliable as uh, regular buses. I think for the three times I took it while I was still at my parents' place, uh, it was on the 50-minute schedule. Oh, wow. Yeah, it would be weird because you really have to look at the timetable all the time because it kind of reminds me to buses here, but here the timetable is crazy in Montreal because like they go here every five or seven minutes depending on uh, the line. It's like 5, 10, or 15 depending on the time of day. So that's yep. why you have to a lot of timetables. But there was just a because it had a long run and it was a mini, like it was a kind of a Ford Econoline bus. It was not a yeah. typical, uh, like city bus. So it was also funny. Yeah, it's like half size. Uh, I would say even a third size. It, 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 I think those buses is like, uh, they remind me of like, uh, buses you can take when you go to the airport, like the, sh- yeah, the yeah. airport shuttles. So, uh, from the hotel to the airport is like the 15 people at most. Another weird thing about like that five years ago 
set of changes was that weeknight and weekend times had no relation to weekday times. So it became really screwy to try and to try and figure out like how things would work on a main bus line. If you wanted to remember a given stops bus times, you would have to remember six different minutes on the hour and the ranges at which each of those minutes on the hour applies uh, because you had weeknight and weekday and you had 15 minutes off and not 15 minutes off. And there was another condition in there anyway. It was like fun, fun, fun uh, to think of all those permutations. And unfortunately, that meant that all of this complexity meant that there was too much information to be contained on the bus stop sign itself. And this meant that major stops had smaller complementary signs with a summary of the bus schedule on them. Uh, but it's still a lot of information compared to what we used to have, which fit on the bus sign directly. Now we move to this year's changes, and we're seeing a lot more complexity come in. So first of all, there are very few concurrent arrivals at a bus terminal, and buses no longer wait for transfers at terminals. Instead, commuters get off, their bus leaves immediately, and they must wait a few minutes for their transfer to arrive. Because terminal times are inconsistent depending on the line that's used, you can no longer reliably say that like you're going to be at the terminal with everyone else at like, let's say, 45 minutes on the hour. It's not that reliable anymore. Your bus might arrive at 43, and your friend's bus might arrive at 45 or 47, depending on where they're going and all that stuff. The bus terminal at the Les Rivières shopping mall was replaced with a bus terminal at the neighboring university. I have a little bit of a problem with this change, not necessarily because I care which one is chosen, but they said their decision was informed by data saying that only 10% of bus riders got off at the mall terminal uh, as their final destination. And I strongly suspect that this data is flawed because it doesn't really account for two of the main lines that go in front of that mall. The two, which was the longest bus line in the previous network, never actually stopped at the bus terminal. So most people going to the mall via that line would use stops adjacent to the mall instead of the terminal itself. Like, people were going to the mall, it's just it wasn't convenient for them to use the terminal, so they were doing it through other ways. And the four did stop at the terminal, but only in one direction. So if you were going to the mall, more often than not, you would get off across the street, because otherwise you'd have to take a 30-minute ride in the rural part of town before you could actually get off at the terminal, which made no sense. It was just like, do you want to waste 30 minutes? Like, no, nobody's going to say yes to that when you can just cross the street. That's sort of where they said their data was coming from, and I was like, eh, this is kind of flawed. Instead of mostly being served by one terminal, the mall is now being served by seven distinct bus stops surrounding the mall, which are at least 200 meters away from the entrance in every direction. Uh, this has led to older citizens complaining endlessly uh, because they are trying to minimize the amount of walking they have to do, which is understandable. What is also a pretty good argument is it's going to be a huge pain during the winter because then snow banks will block visibility onto the bus stops and you will no longer have straight line walking access to those stops. You're going to have to walk around the entire mall, which is going to take even longer to get to your bus stop than if you can just walk straight through the parking lot right to it. So that kind of sucks. And as someone who goes to the mall way more than I go to the university because I'm not a student, I would prefer it to be at the mall, but I don't really care as long as I can get to everywhere I need to go. All of this added complexity makes it practically impossible to get around without resorting to using the transit app for directions. Now, I must say, transit app, great app, love it. Uh, the data that they're putting into it might be flawed. So bus lines have varied lengths now. They do not loop cleanly into 30-minute intervals. 
This means that a physical bus can switch lines of the terminal, ending its line instead of looping back onto itself. So what this means is the 2 turns into the 13 once it gets to the downtown terminal. The 11 turns into the 4 once it reaches the downtown terminal. The 5 turns into the 6 at the university, and the 6 turns into the 5 and all that stuff. Uh, unfortunately, these changes are not communicated communicated in any fashion anywhere. You just need to know those changes are going to happen. And you do this only by randomly looking into it, probably, I guess. That's how I've been learning them. But this also means that transit might tell you to get off at the terminal and transfer onto a different line. But in practice, that means staying in the same bus you're already on. There's just no indication telling you that anywhere on paper, in the app, or in the bus itself. This also screws with the GPS tracking of individual buses. I don't know if this is an actual limitation of the transit app or if it's a limitation of the hardware they're using within the buses, but right now, buses are only ever tied to a single line at a time. This means that if the 6 is running late to the university, the 6 will have an accurate estimate of its arrival in the app, but the 5 you're connecting to doesn't have GPS data attached to it, so it will decide that all of the 6 to 5 transfers are impossible because you're going to get there after the 5 has quote, already left according to the timetable on paper, even though the 6 and the 5 are physically the same bus. How do I know that this can happen? Because this is literally what happened to me earlier today when I was trying to get home. Uh, so <laughs> it's great. Uh, and one thing I've noticed is in practice, drivers forget to switch their active line a lot on their GPS tracker device. So more often than not, the transit app is just going to like give up and show you the completely inaccurate timetable estimates instead of anything that is actually anchored in reality. So really, the more you know what is actually going on with a bus network, the less trust you have in anything that the app says, but the network is so complex that there are probably even more layers of complexity to s- discover that you all you are unaware of, and it's sort of an infernal cycle of untrustworthiness, which is not great. But on top of just like complexity, it also just leads to a bad user experience. So here's a real scenario from my morning commute last week. The plan is a default route that was suggested for me to get to my office via the transit app. It is the top result. It is not like the seventh result on the bottom that I chose just to figure out what the edge cases are. No, this is like the top result for my real commute. So here's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to take the 13 from downtown at 8.18 a.m. The 13 is scheduled to arrive at the university at 8.30 a.m. I'm supposed to transfer onto the 6, which is scheduled to arrive at the university at 8.31 a.m. So already very tight timing here. And then I get off in my office at 8.45. How does that play out in practice? The 13 bus leaves downtown on schedule at 8.18. At 8.19 a.m., your phone vibrates. Transit notifies you that at your current pace, your transfer is unlikely to be possible and suggests that you instead wait for the 16 line, which goes also goes in front of my office, but is only coming 20 minutes later. Fast forward, and the 13 arrives at the university terminal four minutes late. This is where you roll the dice, and one of two outcomes will happen. You have a 40% chance that the bus is going to be leaving while you arrive. If you are quick to mention it to the bus driver, they can radio the other bus driver and let them know to wait for you, and you will arrive around 8.45 as planned, but not without your own intervention. And then 60% of the time, the bus is already gone. You're just going to have to wait for the next bus heading to your direction. In this case, we're actually lucky because there's redundancy in the network, which means we can take the 16 in 20 minutes instead of waiting for the next six, which is in 35 minutes. This means we're going to arrive at work at around 9.05 instead of the 8.45 I was supposed to be there. 
you may have noticed that between these two options, they form a full 100% of the pie. And both of those are kind of failure states. You shouldn't actually require bus riders to be acutely aware of what is happening in front of them to actually manage to make their transfer. And uh, your transfers should be possible and they should happen seamlessly and not with all of this bullshit. So where did this all go wrong? Well, first off, the transit app suggests a transfer that is rarely actually viable, but according to transit authority staff and the timetables, it is intended to be possible. Even though the buses are about four minutes late on average, which is half of what it was before the changes, it was about eight minutes late on average beforehand, there's a one-minute window between buses, which leaves zero tolerance for late buses or buses arriving out of order. And that notification I got at 8.19 a.m. telling me that I'm going to screw up my transfer and that I'm going to be 20 minutes late, it feels really bad to get that a minute into your bus ride. Like, it tells you, like, you immediately lost all of this time that you were taking the bus. You should have just taken the bus 30 minutes later. You would have shown up at exactly the same time. Also, it's mid-July. There are no parents driving kids to school. There are no school buses halting traffic at every other street corner. There's no snow or ice. This is ideal conditions for the bus right now. If transfers are not viable in the middle of July, how do you think they're going to be in November? It doesn't give a lot of confidence. So really, like, what this boils down to is buses get to report that they are only four minutes late. But the impact on individual bus riders who miss their transfer is 20 minutes. Now, if you actually calculate the time that's wasted due to mistransfers as the bus being late, the average lateness of my morning commute now is 13.6 minutes, which is 1.7 times what it was before the network changed. So the more I think about it, the more it looks like they get to fudge the numbers to look good on a year-end report while screwing me out of my time anyway. One of the things that did come up is someone from the data analysis stations at the terminal said, oh, well, why don't you use an alternate route to avoid this nightmare transfer that is impossible 95% of the time? Good idea. Let's look at those alternate routes. So one of these alternate routes is my old route. It's take the 11 to the Carrefour Trois West and then transfer onto the 6 towards the university that is going to drop me off in front of work. This is no longer viable because now there's a 15-minute service interruption in the middle of it now. So I just to work late. Now, I would probably actually get to work about the same time that I would if the transfer is missed at the other terminal. So I don't know, maybe it balances out. The other uh, option in my alternate routes is to replace the 13 with the 5 or the 25, which gets to the university one or two minutes earlier. The problem is I've met people at the university who also take those buses and who ran into the same exact issues as I did because the transfer window is still too narrow for those buses because the buses are four minutes late on average, not one or two minutes late on average. So there's no good fix here. And there are no other alternate routes. Well, none of them that don't involve me actually like running circles on buses just to make it longer for no reason. So how do we resolve these bad beats? How do we make the system usable by normal people? One option is to increase bus frequency. So like you could have mentioned earlier, if buses are coming every 5, 10, 15 minutes, like that feels significantly better than if you're being screwed by 20 to 35 minutes on weekdays or 50 minutes to one hour, 20 minutes on weekend weeknights and weekends. They're, the primary reason that all of us bus riders obsess over the timetables so much is because we know that the penalty for fucking up is 20 to 35 minutes and we want to be there on time. I was thinking when I 
when I was writing this thing about uh, increasing bus frequency, I was thinking a lot about my time I spent in Geneva in 2006 because I remember that buses there felt like they were so frequent that I didn't really have to worry about when I was taking the bus at all. I could just go to the corner and eventually a bus would show up and I would be on my way and everything would be fine. Uh, Geneva has a population of 200,000 people. I think Trois Rivières is 140,000. Uh, and they have buses on a 10 minute interval on weekdays and 20 minute on weekends. Uh, now, of course, like, we can't ignore that Geneva is actually a big deal in the world compared to Trois Rivières, which is nothing in the world. Uh, we are known for Star Wars Kid and not much else. That sort of plays into sort of the reputation they have to live up to with the quality of their, uh, transit system. Uh, and they also have like a backbone, which is built, built on tramways, which come every five minutes. So they have like a much more robust network in general. But I feel if we could at least get buses up to a 15 minute interval on weekdays, that would be good. Although we will get back to that near the end because technically sometimes we do have 15 minute intervals and we still can't even do that correctly sometimes. The next option would be to adjust the timetables. So space out the transfers more so there is greater tolerance for average bus delays. This to me seems like a pretty pragmatic position because as far as I'm concerned, there's not really an issue inherent to the design of the network. It's just the times are wrong. And if you find the buses arrive out of order most of the time, correct the ordering in the timetable in the next revision of the timetable so that the transit app doesn't recommend routes that are going to have impossible or improbable transfers. Like, I wouldn't actually mind so much if they decided the 13 is just an unviable transfer for uh, making it onto the 6 in the morning, and they just like switched the order in which they came in the timetable so that at least that route wouldn't be recommended anymore. But now it's like the default route, so you have that in your face all the time, and it, it turns out it's not actually viable. The other suggestion, which has come up a lot over the last two weeks and is not necessarily the greatest one, but it's the one the Transit Authority has chosen to do in the short term, and it's a very inelegant hack, is to revert to a system where buses wait at terminals. And they did this in two steps. Initially, buses were waiting on a case-by-case basis by identifying problematic transfers with lots of complaints, and they would tell the drivers of those specific lines to wait for other specific buses at those transfers. This worked, but the unfortunate thing is it only caught and resolved the cases that were experienced by daily cases of the network. I have friends who are infrequent bus users who used less common routes and were still running into dubious transfers that weren't like fixed because nobody had actually reported them to anyone because nobody takes those routes frequently. Um, so that was less than ideal. So on Tuesday, they decided, no, now all buses wait at all terminals. And yeah, like the immediate result is buses are back to being eight minutes late on average. However, the timetables were not adjusted for this at all. So what this change effectively means is that the first bus to get to the terminal leaves at the same time as the last bus which arrives at the terminal, even if that last bus is late. And these are not necessarily clustered together like was the case in my earlier example uh, at the university. They can be spread like 15 minutes apart. So sometimes you're spending 15 minutes if you're the first bus at the terminal waiting for other potential transfers. Sometimes there are no transfers and you just wasted 15 minutes every time at the terminal. Not great. The existing bus lines and the timetable were not designed for this at all. So it's very chaotic. And some bus lines, even if you try to do this with them, they have no tolerance built for buses being anywhere near eight minutes late built into them. So they just leave when they've had enough. 
And surprise, that's what happened to my commute home this week. Uh, every day since Tuesday, I've gotten home 40 minutes late, uh, which is not great. My current options right now are to wait 40 minutes for the next 11 uh, to come by, or I can get back onto the 6 in the opposite direction I came from, ride it all the way to the end of the line, switch onto the 5, and then come downtown. And in both cases, I get here 40 minutes later than I should. And of course, like this is another case of the transit app saying this is a viable route, even though this transfer has worked zero times since Tuesday. So, sure. So where does this leave us? Well, the initial proposed network changes definitely had bugs, but I don't believe it was inherently a flood or a stupid design. Like, a lot of people have been very quick to call the people who planned these network changes stupid. I don't think it's necessarily stupid. I think they miscommunicated what the values behind it were. I think there's a lot of old people who are cranky because they're A, old people, and B, because they're trying to serve a different audience that is not old people. And... I think there are just people who are very frustrated by the bugs because they're being hit by them. And that makes sense because I am also one of those people. The stated goals make a lot of sense. And I've experienced it a couple of times, only a couple of times, unfortunately, that when the network is working as intended, the network is far more effective. If you're trying to go from the mall to uh, the cap, your travel times are cut by half. That is not an insignificant change. Like it is significant improvement in service quality. And I love it. It was great, um, but it doesn't work reliably enough to give you that experience even 90% of the time. It's closer to 20% of the time, which is not great. Uh, maybe maybe it's more reliable on weekends, though. I certainly got that idea, but on weekdays, it's definitely not there. The timetable they came up with did not have high enough tolerances for buses being later out of order. And in my opinion, if they had just widened the transfer windows to accommodate about a five-minute delay, we would not be complaining so much today. They didn't have to go all out and say, we wait for everyone at every terminal all the time, because that is stupid, because their entire network was not built on that foundational assumption. A lot of decisions in the network were made with the assumption that buses are not going to be more than five minutes late, and this is kind of throwing a wrench into the whole thing by being consistently in minutes late. I have no idea if my proposed solution would scale correctly when school is back in session, because it turns out that things get significantly more chaotic on the roads during those times. Like I mentioned earlier, there are lots of cars with parents driving their kids to school. There are lots of school buses stopping on every other corner and preventing traffic from moving. We still haven't talked about snow and ice, but that is another thing that slows down traffic a lot. Uh, there is a lot of shit that can happen while school is in session, and even with the original design that they had proposed, it's not clear that it would have worked uh, during back-to-school period. I would invite our listeners to go Google quickly. Uh, like, I think something like sliding city, like bus sliding on ice city bus Montreal, you'll see a lot of shit we see during winter. And you will freak out when you see like literally bus sliding out a small hill because the whole hill is completely covered on ice and that's a like a it's a long like splitted bus that slides down it it's quite uh it's funny to watch when you watch it but when you're in the street and you see the bus do that you're kind of like oh my fucking god i think i'm going to die today but uh most cases no yes and like a lot of our listeners we have actual winter here in canada so we sort of have to deal with the consequences of that in our buses and our bus network uh one other thing about sort of what's happening after school resumes is there's still a lot of ambiguity as to things that are normally active during school 
Uh, like I sort of hinted at earlier, school days used to have buses at 15-minute intervals during uh, morning commute and evening commute times. It has not been mentioned publicly if these buses will be returning this fall. It might be the case that they think that their network is robust enough to handle most cases and that there's not going to be 15-minute interval buses, but they haven't commented publicly on this yet, and I don't know when they will. It's also unclear if the 21 and 22 express buses will be returning this fall. These buses traditionally provided quicker routes to get across the entire city uh, prior to the network changes. They were basically like two big diagonals across the city uh, that would get you from one place to the other. I mean, technically, you can almost do that with two bus lines and a transfer, but I don't know if they want to keep the uninterrupted lines uh, and they haven't commented about this at all. There's a lot of this kind of stuff that is just unclear. And not to mention, there's still a lot of service issues, like Sunday's bus service stops at 7 p.m. Like, you can't really do anything on a Sunday if you want to take the bus. Um, there are a lot of holes in the service. It's like a giant Swiss cheese bus network. That's sort of like my giant rant about it. Oh, yeah, I, sh I should point out, I have sent two complaints to uh the to the transit authority since these changes have been in place my first complaint was on the first day of service because the university terminal first of all it, it barely qualifies as a terminal because it is literally buses stopping at a stop sign uh so not really a terminal and there was nothing at all at the quote unquote terminal uh to indicate where you had to wait for your bus so the very first day i actually like got out of the bus found out that my bus left, and then I stood around and I didn't know where to wait for the bus. And then the bus just said, oh, look at this person in the parking lot. Vroom, there's nobody waiting for the bus. I'm just going to go straight past, and I missed the bus. <laughs> that was not great. Um, and there were no signs or anything, so I messaged them and I told them, like, it would be really cool if there was a sign at the bus terminal to say, this is where you stop, you wait for the bus, dumbass. Um and they put one two days later, so that's cool. They also put a data analysis team there because there was not one for the first two days either until I complained about it. Uh, so I guess they forgot about one of their new terminals or something. I don't know. Uh, and the second complaint I made today, which was just saying, like, I haven't been able to get home on time for the last uh, three days, and it doesn't seem like it's going to get better unless I complain about it, which kind of sucks. And we have better things to do than endlessly send you complaints. And like at a certain degree, I think there's always that thing where, you know, when a celebrity says something really fucking dumb on Twitter and then, are you talking about current experience, the current live event, by the way, not specifically, they get a bunch of replies from like everyone telling them exactly everything that is wrong with their tweets. And the volume is so overwhelming that they just like say, Oh no, I'm just being, this is mob justice. There's no actual value to the comments that these people are saying. They're just mobbing me because they want to get in on the action or whatever. And then those, the celebrity in question does not actually ever think at all seriously about any of the comments that they received. I think they're sort of reaching that point with the bus where they're sort of like, yeah, 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 you're saying the same shit as everybody else has said, but we've heard it all before and we don't actually believe any of the shit they're saying. We think our network is cool. Like, I think they're reaching that saturation point where they can't take much more shit before they just start saying like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You're just being change averse. Shut the fuck up. So I, I want to get in there. I did try to sprinkle in like when the bus runs great, 
it is actually very great and I prefer it to the old system. It's just it only works maybe 15 to 20% of the time. And I, I try to stay positive. I try to not get angry at any of the staff members that I have to interact with on the fl- floor because at the end of the day, like they even say so, it's not really their call. It's usually the higher-ups that came up with this idea and stuff like that and they're the ones that need to hear it and they're only going to hear it if I complain through a form on the website. So fair enough. I sent another complaint Hopefully they'll take it seriously. Um, I do also want to state out they had originally said, and they went back on this so quickly. Uh, they originally said, we're not going to touch the network for six months after we launched these changes. It lasted six days because there were so many complaints. I don't think they should have waited six months to do the thing, but I think they should have at least like not done any adjustments until the 27th, which is the day that the data collection teams are leaving the terminals. They're going to be going away on the 27th, and then they're only going to be returning for back to school. So I think they should have at least like given them... like The the network actually launched on the 7th, so it would have been 20 days of data collection to actually like look at what the patterns are and screwing everything up. And yes, it would have sucked basically for three weeks, like nobody would have gotten to work on time. But if they could have used that data collection to actually make meaningful changes to the network that fixed all the problems at once. I, I'm still probably dreaming too much in this case. I don't know what's realistic. Yeah, I just really want to get to work on time and get home on time again because, like, previously, we were often eight minutes late. But, like, if it's consistently eight minutes late, I can plan around that. That's fine. But now it's, like, consistently 20 to 35 minutes late, which I'm not quite fond of. And 20% of the time, things work out. And I'm like, eh. Not great. So you haven't been in town and taken the bus for quite a while. So what are your thoughts about this from an outsider and not someone who is impacted every morning? It's funny you say that because even when I was in town, I never really took the bus. I'm one of those people that drove. Ta ta ta. Kidding aside though, uh, kidding aside though, like I mentioned, I was leaving. Uh, my parents still lives uh, in the outskirt of town, and that's one of the places that Yannick mentioned. And we just uh, we quickly discussed where the time sc- time schedule was just crazy. So more or less to go into uh, to go into town, it would take like ten fifteen minutes by car, and then it would take an hour by bus just to go to the first terminal, which is maybe five to. S- Five to ten minutes away from my parents' place. From what I've learned, uh, in the recent years since I left Toarvia is it seems that in the morning, there's shit on the traffic nowadays. Yeah. From, uh, where my parents live to go to the highway to then go to downtown and, uh, near the school stuff. Uh, one, uh, my mom is a nurse, so she works at one of the big hospitals, the main one in Toarvia and it's next to, not the university, it's next to the CCHEP. Yep. And some elementary schools, I think at least one, maybe even two. So yeah, there's a lot of traffic. And of course, uh, where my parents live, there's even now bigger uh, neighborhood that grew and all that stuff. So yeah, I understand it was time to change it and it changing like bus is always hard. Uh, it feels to me here also, if we talk about, uh, recent experience with uh, 29 Montreal, it feels that uh, we're running into some issues. Uh, some of my colleagues and friends are also running into weird issues in our neighborhood in Montreal where the bus is not really reliable. Uh, but yeah. So for the modern, for the 12 experience, you kind of have the wrong person on the podcast. I think Tony here would have been a better, mm. uh, 
person to talk today about this because I did not really used it. That's true. If you want me to sparkle a bit of like a Montreal experience to this, I can though. Yeah, that that would be great. It's funny though, like uh, we are in the new apartment, uh, quote unquote new apartment. We've been living here for three years in the current apartment, and that one, I like, I moved a kilometer west from my previous place, which in theory is a kilometer closer to work. <laughs> but my commute time didn't really change, and I think it, it rely it, the main reason why is uh, the big boulevard where I used to live next to. So the 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 closest stay, the closest bus stops are still more or less the same time, the same walk distance and time to uh, my previous apartment. But the uh, line on the biggest boulevard near to my previous apartment is is currently right now in renovation, so I might be that I no longer live there. But it is a it is one of those like like backbone of the network. So this is a, this line is on the Boulevard Pineuf, which is, um, a boulevard that goes, uh, that goes as, that is as wide as the Montreal Island and also cross to the Laval Island. And so a lot of people use that line to come from the, uh, from the suburbs to, uh, Montreal itself. So it is quite frequent during, uh, uh, rush hour time. Uh, right now they're kind of transforming it into an express bus or kind of a metro bus line. So, uh, for the next two, uh, four or five years, it's going to be a mess. But before I would like the, my commute, depending on traffic and timing and all that stuff. I'm not really like really on time for a lot of shit. Like just I, I leave around like i have a 15 minute 50 20 minute range in the morning same thing i word i have a 15 to 30 minutes range when i decide to leave so uh depending on that and the, my mood and the traffic and if there's an incident in the metro uh it's still like 35 to 45 minutes even if i leave uh a kilometer closer to work so i can tell you that uh buses while they're great uh they're not perfect, especially in cities where, uh, people still use their car heavily. Uh, so, um, your example with, uh, Geneva, where they're also using, um, trains and trams, uh, is quite interesting, especially and boats. Oh, and boats. Ooh, I've done that in Vancouver. They have kind of a small, like kind of a, there's kind of a small pier where you can cross from portion of vancouver by boat and it's amazing so i strongly suggest you do that uh and uh but my point was to say like i feel that when you still need to go on the typical normal road network uh transit is will never be great at that either we build something dedicated that only public transit can go on it whether it's like real roads because of buses or it's like roads that cannot be taken by cars so trains stuff like that uh or we can even go crazy and say flying stuff uh but i digress here uh i feels to me that in cities that are still like that there's still a big car culture and not what we use to say car culture but just like people just using their cars i feel that implementing bus is in theory the easiest solution for building a public transit network but also the one I feel with the most downsides, mainly because congestion on the network will impact greatly your public transit. And I think 
that's kind of what you'll start seeing maybe even more when the back to school and then when the vacation the vacation uh, season ends uh, in Tlavia. Yeah, definitely. Um, I realize that this episode is like not particularly easy to follow with if you are not familiar with the geography of Trois-Rivières or Montreal in this case. But I've been complaining about this for the last two weeks and we were due for an episode where I complain about shit. So oh, you yeah. got it. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of assume that you would maybe kind of do a spin on uh, like public transit in general, but I think that's kind of what we've been doing for the last five minutes, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard because it's another one of those, like, there's no one-size-fits-all thing. And, like, as much as I want to say, we should have a subway and everything will be fine. It's like, yeah, but you have to dig the subway and other <laughs> yes, stuff. Yes. It's like, oh, the, yes. it's not fucking SimCity. I don't just get to call the shots here, uh, as great as that would be. But taking into concern that uh, some of the government just approved some uh, expansion of the metro lines here. And it took more or less 20 years to happen for that said line. Um, that's, yeah. Yes. It takes time sometimes to dig a network, uh, to dig a metro. Yeah. And like the easy proposal in quotes would be, well, just add a bus lane. And in fact, like during the summer festival, they shut down one of the lanes downtown to be a bus lane. And the bus is very much on time then. It's just that the only buses that are allowed to use it are the, uh, shuttles that go between the terminals yeah, to go you, downtown. You added an, an imp- extremely important comment. They shut down the road to transform it to a bus line. That's the key here. No, 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 no. They, well, they shut down a lane, not uh, the entire road. Oh, okay. Yeah, but still. Yeah, yeah. But the problem is like so many of the bus lines actually spend a n- considerable amount of time on one lane roads so it's like well fuck what do we do now it's like you only solve the problems for only certain spaces and they're not necessarily always the ones that are problematic like the the big one on my commute is Boulevard Germain which has had ridiculous boom in traffic over the last few years and that is the place where I see the biggest difference between no school and with school because that place takes like 10 minutes to get to the other side of the street uh, when there's traffic from school. And then right now, like it's fucking like just run through it and you're there in 30 seconds and like you have the stoplight to deal with and that's it. So it, it's a significant difference, but it turns out that in terms of time, it's a significant part of the six line. <laughs> like that's where the bottleneck is in the six line. And unless we can circumvent it somehow, like it's going to stay that way forever. So I don't know. I don't have the solutions for that. Anyway. Uh, was that it or you have a small conclusion to just put the cherry on top? Uh, no, but I did want to mention what is coming up in a month, which is our Final Fantasy VII episode. Yeah, I need to start to play the game. Yes, you do. Uh, I'm about two-thirds through the portion of the game that we were supposed to be playing. And you could have mentioned to me, like, this week that FF7 is in French on his phone, which I guess means he launched it. I did launch it. I was like, wow. hey, maybe I should launch it. And I, I, I was looking at the uh, intro sequence when you first boot the game. Mm-hmm. And that's it, it's the intro sequence slash credits. I was like, 
there's something wrong. Okay, the me- the menu screen sequence because there's also like an intro sequence when you actually press new game, which is much better. Oh, okay, okay, but that's <laughs> also where I realized like why? Okay, so I see a lot of Japanese names. That makes sense. There's something wrong besides those Japanese names. I was like, oh, it's their title, but like in French, so that's why they're so long and like so small oh, because. Wow. Yeah, because some of them, like, when they get translated, it's so long that, it's so long compared to the English or even the Japanese string that now they have to, like, do a font, uh, fit to size. So the small, they shrink the font oh, size God. for it to size. I was like, ah, okay. So, yes, I'm, I'm unsure yet if I'm going to play it in French because it's just reading stuff, more or less, or I'll uh, switch my, uh, phone systems language to English. Uh, I wished we were on iOS 13 because you, I can do that. We would be able to do that perhaps, but uh, I digress. Uh, so yes, I launched the game. Wow. And I went Such to the progress. menu. Yes. Okay then. But uh, listeners, if you haven't started playing, you can try to speed up and beat the good video to the end of the game. I still have a month. Yes, you do. And so do our listeners. Yes, and it's what you told me seven to nine hours to it should be about seven hours i apparently am about two-thirds of the way through it and i've played for two and two hours and 30 minutes so i'm not quite sure how that math works out but okay yeah is that the the typical 89 80 20 is like you spend 20 percent of the time on 80 percent of the story and then you spend 80 percent of the time on the story for the 20 last the last 30 percent yeah that might be the case it might just be that the final portion of the game is just very long because i'm i'm sort of using a walkthrough and i'm measuring it by the number of chapters Mm. so if the last chapter is just like a very long portion of the game or there are random battles every two seconds like that can add a lot of time to the run so definitely get playing on that if you are interested in listening to that episode yeah and we shouldn't talk even not talk too much about it and uh, stop teasing people so we don't spoil stuff or spoil opinions sounds good to me Good. So if you want to find all the links related to the Enix issues with the STTR, uh, I have public links for that. <laughs> I would have assumed you had links for that or something. Uh, but if you want to see the map, I'm, I'm guessing you'll link to the map of the network so people have a visual, uh, cue while they're listening to the episode. Sure. You, why not? You would be able to find that in theory if Yannick put stuff on the website on at limitlesspossibility.net slash 117. If you want to go through our back catalog of episodes, you can find it at limitlesspossibility.net. If you want to follow the latest news about the podcast, you can find the podcast on Twitter at limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast you can find both of us on twitter too i'm at luconosh that's l-u-c-c-o-n-o-u-c-h-e and you can find yannick at sakarina that's s-a-k-u-r-i-n-a and we'll see you in two weeks see you in two weeks